0: Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game. Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her
1: guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. He who serves the most reaps the most. And that's a quote by Jim Rohn. He has a lot of great quotes. Maybe I better read one of his books or... Uh, watch a YouTube or something. So welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. I'm still Lucy. Lucy with an I. (laughs) I know you've been hearing me say, my group program is starting soon, if you're listening in early summer. And it is going to be ongoing. So if you're listening in the fall, you can still join. If you go to lucydumascoaching.com, click on the tab that says Classes, You'll see the information. You'll see the way to either sign up or schedule just a quick call with me. So I'd love to have you be a part of it. Group energy provides something that one-on-one doesn't, and so that's why I do both. So I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Amy Pazier. She's a certified professional photographer with PPA. She has been in business for eight years. Her company is Moments. And company. It's in the Pittsburgh area and she specializes in little ones. <laughs> she loves to provide high quality products to her clients so they don't have to do the work for themselves. So woo-hoo, I love that. <laughs> and she likes to support the clients, not just with great photographs, but also the whole motherhood and parenting journey. And like most of us, she started out charging very little to nothing and shooting, specializing in everything, air quotes. Were you doing shoot and share or were you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I forgot to welcome you. So welcome, (laughs) Amy. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here, Lucy. I'm very excited. Me too. Um, (laughs) And then in her journey, she niched down and studied and has created a business doing full service in-person sales. And I'm so excited to hear that because if you've listened, you know that helping people uh, through in-person sales is what I think is best for clients and best for our business. Now, not corporate, you know, they have other needs, but anywho. Okay. So can you give me just a, like a little, like a 60 seconds, about how you got into photography?
0: Oh, I'm not going to lie. I swear that's a question that I struggle with all the time. Um, I joke around. I feel like so many people say they start you know, their mom with a camera kind of thing. And I actually started before I had kids. Uh, and that's actually one of the reasons why my business kind of started slowly, because I started having kids right after I started. But my mom always had a camera when I was little. Mm. Um, she loved taking photos and it wasn't a business for her. It was just, she just snapped and snapped and snapped and snapped and snapped all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, she was actually known as the camera lady in my, in my school growing up. Cause she was ah. on the yearbook and, you know, she was always in school and it was mainly just <laughs> seeing me. It was a good excuse for her. Uh-huh. Um, and so I kind of took that over when I was in middle school, I joined yearbook. And, um, honestly, I kind of dropped it for a while until college. I took a black and white course, um, after I switched colleges, um, one as an elective and two, I was like, oh my gosh, they have a course. I didn't even know I could take. <laughs> uh-huh. So when I came out of college, I got into a portrait studio and then sitting in a, uh, corporate office, I'm sitting there going, Hi could really do this on my own and I don't want to be sitting here. So I'm going to start my own
1: business. (laughs) So how did you find the courage to make that switch?
0: My cousin, believe it or not, and I'm not even sure if she knows it. So right out of college, I got, I got a good job through my mother um, at a corporate location. And it was mainly because I had a degree And um, I was working, that was probably like my third job at the time, um, because I was doing portraits on the side. And then I was, I was working at the planetarium also, because I studied in physics, Mm. believe it or not.
1: (laughs) Which is the perfect uh, thing to study to be a photographer.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's the perfect background. Yeah. Um, I got very sick in college. And so it, it kind of really shifted. Um, hmm. my studies and what I you know what I basically it was like okay now I just need to get the piece of paper so that I can get out of here because I can't keep going through classes over and over. And um, my cousin started, believe it or not, a poop scooping business. <laughs> <laughs> she loves animals. Uh, she she'll be the first to tell you she likes animals when people and uh, she started a poop scooping business and then she started an animal rescue and here I was sitting in my corporate meeting going, Man, I hate this. I hate this mm. I shouldn't say that, but i I don't want to be here. And I was like, well, if my cousin can start a business, I can start a business. I literally got on Facebook and was like, Who has a camera that I can buy? Ah. And that's literally how I started.
1: so we never know how we're going to inspire someone else. So mine, I was always that girl with a camera. And guess what? I was on yearbook too, and I was the yeah. editor, but I wasn't taking pictures for the yearbook, because the whole technology scared me. I, you know, I'm very creatively brained <laughs> and f-stops and shutter speeds and all of that, I thought was going to be really hard. And then when they invented the, well, the first good camera in my hand was a Canon AE1 and you could set it on, on auto something right. and boom, you got good exposure. So uh, but I had a friend who she still could have been a model and an actress. She, I see women in movies and I think, oh, she reminds me of my friend Sharon. She wanted a portfolio and I was her biggest fan and she was mine. And just her continuing to say, you're incredible. These are amazing. You could do that. Gave me a kind of confidence. So you never know how we're impacting others right
0: yeah Yeah. oh and i love i love that and it's it's nice when people can lift you up whether they know they're doing it or not it's really
1: nice yeah so did you start out i know you started out low price did you start out as a shoot and share or shoot and burn or were you selling products like what was your early plan
0: yeah absolutely i I, I think most of us do start out as shoot and share and that's exactly how i started Um, i always offered products, but it wasn't like I made that prevalent. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just something I knew that I could offer or even offered through the shoot and share process um, instead of just digitals and prints. Um, But yeah, that's definitely how I started.
1: And so why did you like, what was that light bulb that went off that was like, you know what, I'm going to start providing more service to people and help them pick. And I assume you're selling products now. Yes, I am. Why did you decide to change?
0: Education. I I finally started taking my business more seriously, I guess is the way to put it. Um, Uh After I was done having the babies, I was able to focus more succinctly into my business and realized that I needed to make changes in order to become profitable.
1: Uh, So you wanted some actual income. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that sounds fun. Now, one of the challenges that I find when I'm coaching people who are at that point where you were ready to make the change, especially people that have been doing some very steady, inexpensive, uh, I don't know if shoot and burn is considered a negative, but anyway, you guys all understand, um, is having people have the courage to make the change. And we've tried to do like a hybrid sometimes and usually then just delays the inevitable, which is rip that Band-Aid off and the willingness to lose some clients that all comes into play. So how did you find the courage? Well, you found the courage because you wanted money, right?
0: Basically, yeah. (laughs) So how did you make the change? Uh, a little sloppily, to be honest, I was working with another photographer. I was in a group. She encouraged me to make the move, uh, and kind of helped me to price it not to where it really should be, but to where I was comfortable and it was still a jump. So, and I kind of just dove in, but I also dove in messy. Like I said, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I messed up probably one of my first sales because. I didn't have my pricing complete, so I didn't know how to tell her approximately what she was going to be spending, Mm -hmm. which then led to some iffy things down the road.
1: Yeah, which we're supposed to have those things happen because we learned from that. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So what was your heart reason for changing? I know, know you wanted to take it seriously, but as someone that is a giver... I'm wondering, you know, why you decided for the client's benefit.
0: I, I think that I finally started believing what everybody says about IPS, which is yeah. that it is better for the customer. And, you know, you also have bad experiences of your own or, or semi-good experiences of your own with other photographers, because I don't take my own pictures. You know, I, mm-hmm. I want to have that experience. And you do, you start to understand that, you know, maybe 200 images is too much, And that it helps them to have a professional guide them into what sizes work and things like that. And I think a lot of that comfort, to be quite honest, comes out of the willingness to call yourself a professional. Mm. I feel like so much of us feel like we're still learning and feel like we're not a professional because we don't really know what on earth we're doing, especially if we're trying to jump into IPS soon. Mm -hmm. And I think the courage comes from, okay, look, I know more than they do. I might not know at all, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a professional. I know more than them, so I can help and guide. And I'll learn more along the way.
1: I love that. I love that. I have a little baby nephew. You can see his picture in the back there. And he lives, uh, well, depending on traffic, it can be four hours and it can be... (laughs) eight hours between San Diego and Ventura, California, we have to get through LA
0: or yes. I like oh to gosh. call it A. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for sure.
1: And so I've been up a couple of times intentionally wanting to capture the, the newborn. Well, I was there at the birth. So of course I did those, but wanting to capture the, what I call newborn, which is between birth and about two and a half months. Because mm-hmm. they still are floppy and cuddly <laughs> before they start pushing away, yes. it, you know. I mentioned when we were chatting uh, before I started recording. I'm every kid's Aunt Lucy, so uh-huh. I know those stages. And then I went up to do his nine months, and then we haven't done an official toddler yet, um, but that's a anyway. I have a zillion pictures, and I've only printed. Two wall portraits and a handful of smalls. Yep. And I, at some point, will decide to hire somebody up there that is going to sell me prints. So I believe it, you know, in a big way. So what do you sell your clients mostly? And can you share kind of a price from here to here is what most people invest
0: yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, what I've been practicing saying over the phone, at least for now, is that, you know, my clients tend to spend upwards of 1500 That's what I've been trying to. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's my consultation. Mm-hmm. Um, I sell two different albums right now, a small one that's 20 pages, one image per page, and then a big one that has kind of everything in it where they can also add in footprints and birth statistics and things like that. Um, I do get a lot of people buying the albums. Um, and then I sell wall art as well, and I actually sell guild canvases, which I love. Yes. Um, oh my God, they're beautiful. Oh, I love them so much. And so, yeah, so I've been trying to do that. Um, I'm actually going to be in the process of changing over um, my pricing a little bit because I feel like I'm almost in a hybrid model mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get out of the hybrid model. Yeah. Because I'm I'm starting to see the the downsides of it. <laughs>
1: cool. And Amy, if you would like me to review your pricing and chat another time i'm happy oh thank you to look at that you know i love to um when i'm doing a coaching program that's one of the first things we do is we set up pricing that's easy to sell from and that doesn't have uh what i call the gopher holes (laughs) what do you think a gopher hole is
0: is that the whole like they can uh get this and walk away with everything because that's where i'm at
1: (laughs) yes yes So when you're walking across a beautiful lawn and then all of a sudden you find yourself flat on your face, it's because maybe your foot caught in a gopher hole.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I've had quite a few of those recently.
1: Yes. (laughs) actually, I have a podcast if anyone's like, I want to know more about that. If you go back um, maybe six months ago or so, I did a solo episode I called the gopher hole and it's those things like Like, you know, everything looks great and profitable. And then there's an opportunity to buy 10 digitals for 500 bucks. That's a gopher hole. Now, being able to buy those that match the ones they've already purchased as wall art, that works. Another gopher hole, you might be like, yeah, I do that or I don't, is providing matching digital files especially to anything they purchase, including everything in an album. Uh-huh. So if I could get an album for, let's say it's also not priced for profit. Right. <laughs> so if I could right. get an album for a thousand dollars with 40 images and right. the digital files,
0: yeah,
1: that's a go for a hold, right? That uh-huh. somebody that's smart would be like, well, why don't I just buy that cheapest album Yep. Or five five by sevens get the matching digitals, and mm-hmm. even if your five by sevens are up there, price wise. So yeah, so I'm happy. I'd love to take a look at that. So
0: thank you, yeah. very kind.
1: So my setting expectations with clients is a little bit different, and it depends on when I'm helping people with their phone script. It depends on if you're getting oodles and oodles of leads and a bunch of them are not qualified and you can afford to lose a percentage of people that might actually be qualified if they weren't scared off by, let's say that upward 1500. Right. Um, and I got this from Charles Lewis someday I'm going to get him on my show, but he's busy <laughs> doing his own thing. He's been teaching wall portraits since I was uh, just, a, I think when I was still doing weddings and I did those, I quit those in the early 90s pretty much. Anyway, so the sentence is most people invest a minimum of X to X. And I find f- five to 800 for most people. If someone says yes to that,
0: uh-huh. then
1: they'll spend thousands. Oh, okay. And it's a sweet spot where it's too much for the cheap people. Right. But it doesn't scare off people that are not all in yet Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, 15. But it's a strategy. And some of my friends and clients are doing great with Google, my business and and things and their search engine optimization. And so they Mm -hmm. need to quickly not be, you know, if they get 20 calls and there's only two that are qualified, then it's a great way to um, pre-qualify people. So anyway, just throwing that out to the listeners that there's there's different strategies and different reasons. But as we get more and more busy, then that most people spend X rises. So anywho, just a little passing on different ways to skin a cat. Absolutely. That's a good one too. Yeah. And I think the gauge would be A are a lot of people running into the hills at that point that you feel like could be perfect or are at least one in three saying, Oh, okay. Something like that. Um, Right. You know, if the phone's ringing, anywho, I'm down a little bunny trail here. (laughs) Okay. So your superpower is helping others, right? So how, how does that, manifest itself? I love that word, manifest. <laughs> How does that show up, first of all? What do you mean by that?
0: For me, in general, honestly, it can mean anything. I like listening to people, like especially if they're going through a hard time talking to them. I'm willing to give you know my clients parenting advice when I'm working with their newborn, because mm-hmm. there's so many who come through my door who don't know what they're doing, because they're first-time parents. None of us know. And so when I work with their baby, I can actually start to see some of the uniqueness of the child. Mm-hmm. And so I can kind of give them pointers. Um, I have a cupboard filled with pretty much all the necessities that they can need. I, I basically tell them, you know, if you forget the diaper bag, I probably have it here. So don't be concerned. Like don't try. Oh. <laughs> and, and so, and then I, I like to gift my clients things as well. Um, and part of me wanting to increase my prices is actually so I can, do more for them in that respect, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, have more food ready to go for them during their session, during their ordering appointments, Mm -hmm. Uh, little gifts to say, you know, welcome to my company. Thank you for choosing me. All all that kind of stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you think that that kind of enhances your confidence in terms of doing the in-person sales, you know, that in itself is a service and a give Yes, is to, to find that like, place in us that's willing, first of all, to sell, right? Instead of, okay, I'm taking the pictures. Here, you take those images. Don't ask Uh me anything. Ah, you know, it it takes, like, a chutzpah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good word, to do what's involved in, in providing that. So, it sounds like, or I'm guessing, that doing those extras as well gives you a little more, like, confidence, like, yeah, full service in my world means full service it
0: it does and it's it helps me to feel better about my pricing cuz i am like you said i am a giver and i do i kind of want to be like okay here just have everything cuz i love you mm-hmm. <laughs> and and i mean it's it's a wonderful way to be but it's also not good for a sustainable business either Um, And so it does. It does make me feel better when I can say, well, I will come and install that wall art for you. And that's why you're paying X, Y, Z for this.
1: Right. Right. So even if the clients aren't like, oh, that's uh, how can I say this? Like, uh, I don't go and install, but if I could have because I don't live near my ideal clients. Mm -hmm. So it would be a whole day. Yes, pretty much a prime time work to drive anywhere from 20 minutes Mm -hmm. to an hour to my clients and then back and that coming back would always be during the worst traffic and and such. But I can see how it like there's that inner feeling of value that even if our clients aren't thinking, oh, uh, buying this from her means she does this, this and this we get to feel good about what we're offering. Is that, are you on the same page with that?
0: A hundred percent. Yes, because I I do. I, you, I I feel like especially when you're starting out, you get that guilty feeling for charging people. And, Mm -hmm. um, and when you can add that value behind it, it takes a little bit of that guilt factor away. Um, And what I have been learning is honestly, When you're underpricing yourself, you just get to the point where when they take what they can and run, even though it's what you allowed them to do, because that's how you structured it, you start to get frustrated. Yes. And that's when you get to the point where like, well, okay, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to raise my prices. If they don't like it, no big deal. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I see on Facebook so many people having resentment Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for things they've set up themselves. Exactly. And, And it's natural. One of, one of the most powerful quotes that I actually, when I was doing personal growth and therapy in a big way, because I was too much of a giver and not receiving and, you know, insecure and all that, all that good stuff. I don't even know who said it, but they said, you teach people how to treat you. And what I love about being self-employed Ooh, that hit home.
0: Yeah, that hits. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no,
1: tell me, no, tell me more about that. What
0: when... no, it just, I mean, that that resonates because I was actually gonna say a quote that I found that helps me too is, you know, sometimes letting people take care of you and give to you is also a gift to them because it makes them feel good. Yes. And I try to remember that, but you kind of hit on the opposite note and man, that, whew, that hit home. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You know, if somebody's like, when I have lunch, I watch the people's court a lot. Uh-huh. And, uh, cause I first of all, I love, I think people are so interesting. You know, I just see people being like, and then I did this, and then, did it, then it's, and I'm thinking, yeah, because you taught them that that was okay to do that. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's resonating with other people or another, um, I went to a lot of programs about how to have a healthy relationship. And someone was saying, well, you know, the same kind of guys keep showing up. I keep attracting the same kind of person. And the speaker said, the question is not, why do you keep attracting them? The question is, why do you keep giving them your phone number? (laughs) Yes. So that's the same thing. It's like, Uh, in a podcast, I'm not sure if this episode is out yet while we're talking about this, but we talked about the weird thing that the people who are paying the least and get the most, uh, and it's not every single one, but I don't know if you found this. I found that, let's say I have 20 clients and they're paying very little. Out of those, there's going to be some people that are really no fun to work with. Whereas if I have 20 clients that are paying well, almost all of them are going to be so cooperative. Trust me, uh, give me the benefit of the doubt, not get upset by little things. Do you find that yeah. too?
0: Absolutely. And uh, I think it's that 80, 20 role, right? Where, you know, 80% of your clients are, are fine, but 20% will take up 80% of your time. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I mean, I've, I've lived that. I've, And again, you know, I go back, I know that I set it up to have that interaction Mm -hmm. in the wrong way. Um, And you learn from that and you grow from it, but it's always accompanied with that fear of, okay, but what if I don't find anybody who's willing to pay me at these prices? And no matter what we do, no matter how many people tell us, oh yes, there will be people that will buy. It's still that like built in fear of, but what if if they don't? Yeah
1: yeah yeah i I think that I've actually been underpriced with my photography for quite a few years now that I'm more in this coaching space, and I made up for it by selling lots of wall portraits, which actually was and is what I want is for people to um, decorate their whole home with wall art. So if I'm gonna get eight thousand dollars from somebody. I'm okay that in that there's seven wall portraits rather than two. Mm -hmm. Um, So that also is some of my strategy for selling more and having more income is that balance of where they get a lot of things to take home for that 5,000, 8,000, dollars $10,000, $10,000, $10,000. Yeah. That pricing balance is all. And and then there's the issue of, oh, is my work worth it? Yes. And separating our product from our worth in the world. Yes. Have you had experience of that, of challenges with that, of like, ah, I don't know if anybody, um, you know what I mean? I'm oh, not yeah. wording it well. I'm just making weird noises. but
0: No, that, that weird noise kind of encompasses it all, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, I feel like we all have that. And honestly, I feel like, and this is an overgeneralization, but I feel like photographers have the hardest time describing themselves as artists. And I think part of it is, you know, we have the phones that have the cameras, The digital, I mean, even the price of the digital camera has gone down. Everybody can get it. And so we just feel like we just snap the picture. Mm -hmm. But that's, and and it takes time to learn and ingrain that in yourself, but it's so far from the truth because I had to, you know, I had to fly across the United States to learn how to take images the way I do now. Mm -hmm. That's not just taking a picture, that is now art. I have learned, I have grown, I have. You know, I studied to learn how to mold these little babies into these cute little positions. Their parents can't do that, you know, and that's what we're selling is my ability to do that, not the print that's on the, on the piece of paper. We're not selling the thing that came out of the camera. We're selling our ability to do that and our experience while we do it. And I feel like because not everybody can paint, right? I can't, I want to learn how so bad I can't paint, but I feel like that's so much easier to say, well, that's art because that's what you grow up learning as art is painting and molding and things. You don't grow up learning that photography is also art if Mm -hmm. it's treated that way. Right. And I think that factors into how we all feel. So we don't feel like artists. So we don't feel like we're choosing to sell art. We feel like we're choosing to sell that book that we found that we liked. Right. And it's not true.
1: Right. Right. And and I also think that, you know, as kids, we create something and then we show our parents and we hope they go, oh, that's fantastic. Or we get an A, you know, the teacher loves it, goes yes. on the bulletin board, goes on the fridge. And when we can separate what we're creating from our own worth yes. and understand that what we're selling people is our time and their own life to themselves. Yes. So even so uh, let's see, should I mention this? Okay, I'm helping a client understand outdoor lighting more than she does. She's been doing great photography, people love what she does, but because finding natural light outdoors is one of my superpowers. Because with kids, I just don't want to mess with equipment if I don't have to. Oh, gosh, no. But I, so I know how to go into an environment and not just wait for sunset,
0: mm-hmm. but,
1: um, find target rich environment so i'm helping her with that so we're trying to figure out first of all where could she work so i looked on the map this is a certain park and so i started googling portraits the name of this park oh okay and i was quite surprised and so was she that almost every image that somebody had posted people we don't know posted as examples of their photography that they do for clients. Uh The thing I'm teaching her, they weren't doing either. Right. Which is how to not uh, just use natural light overhead and get raccoon eyes, you know, have a bright forehead, bright cheeks, weird shadows in the face, or over flashing. So it looks like the background is a background or just a lot of things, so there's a more I'm not judging other people.
0: Oh yeah, no.
1: I'm saying those people are making money and their clients are loving those images.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if I go back to um, some of my early outdoor photography, uh, my clients loved it. They loved it. And I'm sure if I really studied it, I'd be like, yeesh look at the light in the eyes look at this Uh Look what I did with that so the moral of the story I'm trying to tell is whatever we're doing our clients are going to value it a if they get the great experience but b because it's of the people they love Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. does that make
1: sense to you or is that your experience as well
0: yes and that's one of the things that I think again as you grow you learn it's almost like you're better off being a better marketer than a better photographer. Yes. And it's horrible to say, cause you do, you want it to be about the craft and the art. And there's obviously tremendous meaning in doing that. Well, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, for sure. You know, part of it is you got to know how to have the experience, talk to the
1: people, sell it, market it. Right. Right. And know that they're going to love it because it's their child. It's their family. Yes. It's yes. them and, you know, we keep getting to grow. And the nice thing, I'm sure you found this experience is when we do in-person sales and sit with them, we get the feedback. So we uh-huh. get to see, oh, I did that well. And next time I'm in that spot, I'm going to be careful that I don't have that tree coming out of their head or all those things. So our ability to see improves. Yeah. And that's, you and I were talking about um, print competition and the benefit of of going for things like the master photography with PPA is it helps you with that, your brain, your ability to see yes. when something comes up for critique and they go, you know, like one of my early photographs, I had a, a mentor that, He was a hobby photographer, but he really helped me. And I had a picture where the person's arm was coming towards the camera. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And he said, you need to turn it sideways or it looks like a flipper. So from then on, I never forgot that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Before we wrap up. So as a giver, that means we're probably doing it. In all parts of our life, right? Yes. And how do you take time to receive? How do you keep some balance and not just get empty?
0: Boy. Uh, (laughs) Or do you? (laughs) What would you do? I think I'm still learning how to do that. (laughs) Sure. Of course. Well, actually, um, if you don't mind, I can tell you how I realized that I need to do
1: that. Cause I think it's kind of funny that probably will help more people than if you're like, yes. And I have my life structured like this. Okay.
0: I don't at all
1: (laughs) go for it. I love Um, it.
0: So it was actually when I was pregnant, I was, I was pregnant with my last child and I ended up um, I got very serious blood clots in my lungs. Um, I was literally in, in danger for my life. And so I was put on blood thinners and what happened was I got, I ended up being allergic to the blood thinner that they put me on. They had to switch me, but what they were telling me was that that drug was not well tested on pregnant women, Mm. which as a parent terrified me. I'm like, okay, well, are you saying that like, just by, you know, switching the medicine, I'm putting my baby's life in danger. Uh, I'm like, I'll just handle being itchy. No big deal. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put her life in danger. No, no, no. You could go in anaphylactic shock. You can't help your baby. If you're not alive, we need to switch your medicine. Mm. And that moment was the one that like triggered me to go, Oh, and it's, you know, the self-care I feel like is a buzzword right now. But the truth is that if you don't take care of yourself, your bucket does run out and you can't help other people when your bucket runs out. Right. And so as weird as it sounds, self-care is about helping others because it keeps you full. And I'm still trying to learn how to do that in my own life, uh, 100%.
1: (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Me too. I realized I spelled the word receive wrong all my life. I before I did I-E.
0: Uh-huh,
1: yeah. And so one of my uh, actual spiritual practices was to consciously notice, make the change, and then sort of sit with that as if I'm rewiring my whole circuitry to be able to receive. Cause if you've got the plugs only going out and yes. no juice is coming back. Um, and you know, some of those little things, it was just like this little reminder. Oh wait, how do I spell that? Oh yeah. Okay. And then I just take a second, go, I'm a receiver. So yes.
0: that goes back to what I said before about it helps me as a giver to remember to be a receiver, because I know that helps that other person. Yeah. That, that gives them life just the same way it gives me life. And I think that that for other givers out there, I feel like that's a helpful tip to say, you're giving them something by letting them give it to you.
1: Right. Right. It is generous to let other people give to us. It's actually, I think can be a little selfish to always be the give, give, giver. So. I realized I created relationships where I was overgiving. And then when it was my turn and I needed somebody that I was in a relationship with Mm -hmm. to reciprocate, usually they got mad and they stopped being my friend.
0: Yes. Oh, I have had that happen so many times. Yeah.
1: So I came up with uh, like, okay, here's my new policy. My relationships need to be reciprocal. Yes. So with my clients, besides the, they need to also be nice and show up on time and be respectful and, you know, let me guide them. They also need to give me money. That's part of the reciprocity that I feel really good about. Because like you, like when I did weddings, I would have a list of tips. I would pack camera bag with all the things i gave them all these little tips about making the day go well that had nothing to do with the photography right because i just cared about them having a great day and the photography was going to remind them of that great day but at the same time i so overgave that i burned out in the wedding yes. world so it's not really about balance because we can't really balance
0: Right. But I, I agree. Your, your relationships have to be reciprocal, reciprocal, or, you know, you lose interest in them as well. You don't want to just be giving of yourself and not get anything back because you don't feel loved at that point. You don't right. feel like they appreciate you or care for you. Right. Um, and something else that I've learned over the years is allowing our clients to give us money for what we do in a way is a way to take care of them as well like you were saying because you know depending on what it is this is maybe a status symbol for them or right. you know they're paying like we said for those beautiful memories that's what they are desiring and allowing them to put their money in it that means something to them right you know, we spend money on the things that are important to us right. so
1: and when we spend good money
0: mm-hmm.
1: we value it more Um, I haven't told my cool jacket story in a while in Santa Fe. So I was on vacation in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is like the best place ever. And there was a little boutique next to my hotel. And there was this beautiful, like a dark teal, almost like a navy teal, if you know what I mean, jacket from Paris that was a little stretchy Had it was narrow in the waist and flared out, so it was really flattering on me. Nice little lace, I put it on, and like it was made for me. Mm -hmm. And it was $300, which at the time, this is going back uh, to the shoulder pad days, that was a lot like a thousand would be maybe to me. And I went back every time, every day, tried it on again, and then the last morning. I said, you know, I'm going to get home and I'm going to call and say, go ahead and ship it. And every time I wore it, I got compliments and I got to say, I got it in this great little boutique in Santa Fe. Uh
0: huh.
1: Now, if I had found that same thing at Marshall's, regular price, $300, now $59, I would have bought it. I would have gotten compliments, but my whole feeling about it and saying to people, yeah, I got it at Marshall's. It was only $59. It's a different feeling.
0: Yeah. It's a different feeling. Yeah. Well, Well, that's exactly. uh, So the necklace I'm wearing, and I know no one can see it, but it's just a small necklace. um, But I actually purchased this for myself. I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. And it was after a really good sale that I had. It was like Mm. the best sale that I have had pretty much ever in my (laughs) photography career. I was super proud of myself and I wanted something to Not only remind me of it, but to give me the confidence to say I can do this again. I'm good at what I do. People want what I offer, and you know when I wear it, that's what I remember. And and again, it now I will say this wasn't overly expensive, but it was exactly what I wanted. And Mm -hmm. I walked out of that store feeling just empowered when I put it on.
1: Oh, I love it! 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 (laughs) Well, Amy, we are just about out of time, so. I have two questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, one, how do we get in touch with you if someone has questions or they just want to see your work and such? What are the best contact?
0: Yeah. Um, things? so my uh, you know, my my business email is Amy at moments dash and dash co.com. And then I'm pretty much on social almost everywhere at Moments and Co. Studio.
1: Moments and Co, like company.
0: Yes, CO, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool.
1: So What would you like people to take away from this?
0: I I would love people to value themselves, you know, not just in terms of charging enough for what, you know, what they do, but to also have that reciprocal relationship with people and to be okay with it. I I would love to see that on both because man, that's just, you'll go far with those two things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because givers who also are receivers, then we just have more and more and more. I mean, that's... This whole podcast, I wanted to figure out how I could support more people and being able to have conversations with others who are givers and help other people just has multiplied all of this. And then I get to learn more. And then I'm a better coach and a better, you know, in my photography and my business, you know. So I learn and I share, which that's what's so awesome about our business is in general. I think especially people, photographers, we're, we're generous people, people and givers, but also, you know, we like to be supported as well. So, well, Amy, thank you so, so much. Everybody stay tuned for my little quick wrap up and Amy, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so, 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 so much for saying yes.
0: Same here, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me.
1: All righty. So. I said a fond goodbye to Miss Amy. And I want to just remind you, if you go to lucidumascoaching.com slash classes or just coaching.com and hit the classes tab, you can learn about the group program that's starting up soon this summer. Uh, by the time this is out, uh, we might have had the first class, just depends on uh, getting you know, getting people enrolled, but it's open for you. I'd love to have you there. If you have questions, just set up a little call, you know, a little 10, 20-minute call, and even questions about anything else. Okay, so here's my little wrap-up. I think the heart of this conversation was really about Being the giver in a way that helps us also receive that that's part of the balance in life is not to empty ourselves so much, but do go the extra mile. Think about how we can make sessions be more comfortable and go better. I don't know if that's good grammar, um, by providing some things that people might have forgotten to bring or didn't know to bring. And um, pamper 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 our clients Uh, specifics also at the beginning we talked a little about seeing her cousin start her own business inspired her to start hers and also about why she switched from selling digital files as a product to providing the full service and helping people select so that's it for today, TTFN, <laughs> that's on top for now. Until next time, bye.
0: You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and
1: selling your work.